When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Jones. Barron. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. It's a horrible day in England for most of us, of course. Saturday, August the 5th, and Hurricane Antony is just wreaking havoc everywhere. But there is still lots of cricket to talk about. We'll talk about the aftermath of the Ashes. We'll talk about Ballgate. We'll talk about the 100. And we'll also talk about Alex Hales. So lots uh, of chat today about cricket in all its formats. And talking of all its formats... I know that many of you listeners will not like the 100, but it does really polarise opinion. As evidenced by my Twitter feed, I posted the other day from a random listener this line. I just bought my first 100 ticket on my eight-year-old daughter's request after she got completely taken in by the drama of the ashes. She asked if we could have a mummy-daughter date. Sport is really capturing the attention of young girls. So that's a great story. Lots of interesting responses to that. Simon, you've been commentating on the 100, actually. Um, How's it been? Well, it's my first game, actually, yesterday at Southampton, the Aegeus Bowl, Southern Braith against Welsh firemen and women, two matches, two actually really good games, two tight finishes, good crowds as well. I think it was a record for the Aegeus Bowl for the women's game in the afternoon. Now, they're the highest crowd they've had for a women's game so far. And then it built up in the evening. Lots of other spectators came in. It, when you look at it, it, it was a success. It was a, it was, there were two very good games, two you know, very competitive matches, a lot of good cricket on show. I th- one thing I really noticed uh, last night, actually, was the athleticism of the fielding. Absolutely wonderful fielding, spectacular fielding. You, ground fielding, in the deep, close in that was one thing I took away from it as well and of you know just some thrilling cricket Chris Jordan making 70 very quickly a big turnaround in the evening game and in the women's game in the afternoon the second highest score so far in the hundred so the, the people who go along 
enjoyed what they saw. I think you know, they were captivated by uh, the day's action. Just, just you know, you, you've been having messages. I get messages as well, and I get there's one regular uh, contributor to my Twitter feed. It's, it's someone called Wavy. So hello to you, Wavy. If you're listening to us, he says he likes the podcast. He says August is devoted in my household to the much loved One Day Cup. We have three games in the diary. Already have tickets to the final at Trent Bridge. We have zero interest in the dreaded hundred, a wholly unnecessary, awful men's competition. So there is the you know the two sides of the debate, and there were some very good one-day cup matches as well uh, played yesterday. It was an absolute belter at, at Cheltenham, where Northants uh, in a topsy-turvy game and nearly beat Gloucestershire from way behind. Poor old Gloucestershire. No, they won. Um, Gloucestershire won, Yoz. Well, they won in the end, didn't they? But yeah. I mean, Tom Taylor certainly threatened that yeah. for a while. It sounded like an amazing, what was it, sort of eighth wicket partnership there, uh, yeah. or even ninth wicket partnership of practically 100. It sounded like a really exciting game. I mean, there's so much cricket to talk about. And it's a shame, I think, in a way, that people can be so negative about whether it's the 100 or whether it's the blast or whatever you don't like. It's all cricket. And it's all, you know, in a way, it's all promoting the game. So I think it's a bit a bit of a shame. I mean, it just shows how much the 100 does polarise opinion because, you know, my Twitter feed is loaded with comments from different sides of, of the argument. Phil Winlow, I love cricket in all forms, but I just can't watch the 100 on TV as the poor graphics take up far too much of the screen and it really spoils the spectacle. Simon... Tar 86450084. That's his uh, Twitter feed. Anything that gets families interested in cricket can only be a good thing, even though I'm not the greatest fan of the 100. Uh, this lady, Ellen Perslow, says, I'm a lady who's enjoyed cricket since I was younger. Test cricket for me all the way. However, I'm loving the 100 too. This is great for the younger generation to get into cricket, especially the girls. David Watson says... On leaving Trent Bridge, a guy speaking to a friend he saw at the gate said, did you enjoy that? He said, it's the first one we've been to, him and his young daughter, and on the basis of that, we will definitely be back. Says it all. It's a product that will draw new fans. Liam Hall says, I watched the 100 yesterday. Good game, but very slow run rate when compared to the England Test side. (laughs) And I also like Chris Haslam says, I've still got some work to do with my kids. All I've had this summer is, why is daddy shouting or crying at the TV again? So obviously he's a aficionado of the test match game and the Ashes did cause a lot of emotion. Yeah, and those messages that you've read out there you know, just show that you know, the different opinions that, that are out there. And you know, there, are, there are lots of people, and I, I see a lot of them on, on social media, a lot of people who are so dead set against the 100 you know really sort of vitriolic about it I, there was an in- interview with uh, Sanjay Patel who's the managing director of the 100 the other day and he's leaving the ECB or he's leaving his job at the end of this season where he said something like uh, in the the final year of the 100 sorry the third year of the 100 almost like there was like a little slip so the point being, of course, is that the 100 is under scrutiny, though, isn't it? Its future is definitely under scrutiny. Is it going to continue? There are broadcast contracts in place. Uh, the BBC has one year left after this one. Sky have signed up to 2028. But the the two Richards, they come from Surrey, and they weren't big fans of the 100 uh, when it started. Surrey was saying, well, it's, the blast works perfectly well for us. We don't really need it. And now, of course, they are the two most powerful uh, people in English cricket, really, aren't they? The, the chairman of the, the board and the chief executive, who were not big fans of the hundred, and you know, there's been talk that there's going to be a review of the hundred and what you know what they could do in its place. I mean, if they didn't 
continue with the 100, A, surely that would cause problems with the broadcasters unless they could come to some sort of agreement. But what what could they put in its place? Yeah, it's a good question. And I mean, I've heard very strong rumours that the, that the 100 is going to be abandoned after this year. Now, that doesn't sound... Mm like a, a very realistic uh, plan because of the broadcast arrangements apart from anything else and all the kind of marketing and spend that's been put into it. What could you replace it with? Well, what I like about the idea of the 100 in particular is the eight teams. You could expand it to 10, but I like the concentration of talent. I was at the 100 match on Tuesday at Lords between London Spirit and Oval Invincibles and you know, the standard of cricket was incredibly high. You mentioned the fielding, actually. The fielding was brilliant. There were some great catches. You know, I was talking to a couple of uh, ex-professionals, John Stevenson, actually, who's uh, chief executive of Essex, and I was just saying, I would have missed most of the catches that were taken uh, on that game. You know, I definitely would have only caught about half of them, and I wasn't a bad fielder, but I would have only caught about half of them. And now they're just taking, you know, running in off the boundary to a really powerful hit, taking it just off the ground at full pelt. You know, they take them in their sleep almost. It's fantastic to watch. But the standard of cricket, you know, that each team had probably eight or nine international players on each side. And, and it's just great to see that. So what I really like about the 100 is the concentration of talent. Everybody says the Vitality Blast with the marketing spend on it could be just as successful. I disagree because it just wouldn't have that concentration of talent. There are 18 teams in the Vitality Blast. You, the, the, the talent is spread much thinner. You don't get as many overseas players involved. And the, the more quality players, the more international players you have, the more the standard is raised for everybody and, you know, it's inspiring to play with all those players that have come in just for this tournament. Obviously, it's a shame that the England internationals, many of the England internationals, especially the Test players, are not involved. But still, the standard of other overseas players coming in and the various uh, international players that are available. Watching Dan Lawrence facing Sam Curran, for instance, all the Currans bowling with that very powerful Oval Invincibles attack. You know, it's brilliant. Sunil Narine was playing in that game and tantalising and teasing away against the, the opposition. Now, I know a lot of people will say those guys play in the Vitality Blast, but it's the concentration of talent uh, that, that really lifts it. Now, what are they going to replace it with? What would they replace the 100 with? Well, I suppose they could replace it with a similar tournament of, say, 10 teams, but just playing a T20 version. And uh, I, I don't know how that would uh, affect Vitality Blast crowds, but this year the crowds have been decent, so I'm not sure it would. And I think just building on the, the work they've done on marketing the 100, rebranding the game in a way to attract a new audience, is worth investing in and continuing with. How they do that, I'm not sure. But I think it, it's been a good start in attracting a new audience and just rebranding the game. Um, by the way, you know, I, I thought there was a, a beautiful irony in the, the Lords match that I went to where, uh, now I, I'll give you a bit of background here. I grew up playing at Middlesex, obviously, and the, one of the people who was very influential at Lords at the time was Gubby Allen, the former England player, England selector, chairman of selectors, MCC president, etc. He became the sort of eminence grease of Lords. He had a house at the back of the ground, well, actually paid for by the MCC, but he lived in it. He had his own key into the pavilion. He had his own seat in the committee room. He used to hate 
too much noise going on at the ground. If anyone was playing music in the dressing room, a barbie bang on the ceiling, saying, oh, keep the noise down, etc. <laughs> he loved the view from the committee room out towards the far end with all the trees. And he said, I never want to stand that covers the trees, that obscures the, the view of the trees. So he's a real traditionalist, a bit of a Luddite, to be honest. And now you get the, uh, the ground at the 100 You've got music playing in the interval. You've got everyone in coloured clothing. Now, interestingly, the music being performed on that Tuesday night was the daughter of Manoj Badali, the owner of the Rajasthan Royals in the IPL. He's uh, an English businessman, but obviously brought up originally in India. And the, the, so it's fantastic to see his daughter performing brilliant music across the, 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 the ground. Her image was projected onto a screen above the Allen stand uh, in the corner of the ground. And of course, the stands now are soaring above the level of the trees. I just wondered what, what Gabby Allen might have made of it all <laughs> if he'd been there. But I mean, actually, it was a brilliant event. And, mm. uh, you know, it was very exciting to see. We had an after party at the chief executive's house, which is where Gubby Allen used to live. And we had this after party in the chief executive's house at the back of the ground. And, you know, with all comers. And, and it was just the, the most wonderful event, actually. I, I felt it was a celebration of cricket with all the sort of extra bits that, that the 100 brings. Well, your build-up there about Gubby Allen, I think we can all draw our own conclusions about what you would have thought about the 100. But but things move on, don't they? I mean, you know, when, when we started uh, watching cricket, which is... You know, quite a long time ago now that you know there was Test cricket and then there was the, the John Player League had only just started. And I don't know about you, but when I was first introduced to cricket, I just liked cricket. So you would watch it all. You would watch Test cricket, and then you think, fantastic! On Sunday, there's a John Player League, and then there's a Benson Edges Cup match on, and then there's a Gillette Cup match. You would just, I don't know, lap it all up. Uh, but what happens now is that everyone is so divided about you know what they like. I suppose what it is, you you can sort of see it. It feels as if uh, the hundred is eroding county cricket, and there are a lot of devotees of county cricket, which you and I are. You know, we are both de- devotees of county cricket as well. So we, you know, both love cricket, and we are also devotees of Test cricket as well. And also, I suppose there's also that feeling that you know that T20 is eroding first class and and Test match cricket, and so there's a sort of there is a sort of cricket culture war uh, going on. It would be fascinating to see what they decide to do about the hundred. Uh, whether it does just continue in its present form or whether it is abandoned, whether there is a, a, a sort of new T20 competition. I and mean, that was the problem in the first place, wasn't it? Is that they didn't want to have a T20 competition because there was already, already was one. They wanted a point of difference. And they were wanting to do eight teams for so long, but they couldn't because of the broadcasting contracts. It goes back to that whole thing is they they sort of got in too late, really, didn't they? The ECB, it was, it was too late by the time they got to do sort of what they wanted to do. One thing that I think is really good about these new tournaments is that they all are innovators and things are brought in which can enhance the game. So one thing I really like about the 100 as well is the, the countdown and the fact that the players, the bat, the next batter has to get to the middle in I think it's 30 seconds and there's a countdown on the screen and they have to be ready to face after 30 seconds of the previous person walking off brilliant way of keeping the game going I think it's something badly needed for for test cricket for all forms of cricket because there's been a lot of talk hasn't there you know the Ashes was incredibly good of course incredibly exciting a brilliant series but the over eights were appalling and both teams Australia and England have been penalized in the World Test Championship League table for slow over rates of course quite heavily as well 
Yeah, yeah, and and of course it cost Australia their their place in the final in the previous uh, cycle. So it's an important area. I noticed Ricky Ponting and, and Massa Hussain both making comments about what could be done about it. Both of them actually implying that the umpires are not to blame, but it, they can take more of a lead on it. And I agree with that. And actually, this is another area that's caused a lot of comment on my Twitter feed, at uh, The Analyst, and you know, people sort of giving ideas about how the overrates can be uh, improved. And, you know, actually, general consensus is that the teams shouldn't come off until 30 overs a bowl per session. And and that's actually, I think that's a, a good logical way of doing it. It means you, you've got to wait for your lunch until you've got on with the overs. Now, there are lots of reasons for the delays, not least, you know, things like concussion uh, t- checks and so on. But there's a lot of unnecessary wasting of time as well. And I think all players could take a lead from the 100. There could be a countdown. Uh, after a wicket or after even the end of an over yeah. that the next over has to start after 30 seconds things like that I, I, I think could be good innovations which again the 100 has led on mm. what's the penalty if you don't start your over on, on time there has to be some sort of well I well I think like the, uh, the Ricky and, and, and Nasser have said I think there is an onus on the umpires to take a lead here and I okay so there's a risk of them sounding bossy but I, I've umpired, you know, school games and Colts games and so on, which obviously is far removed from Test cricket. But I, I hate that kind of slow wandering about between overs, people not getting on with the game, and I, I just boss them around. I say, come on, get on with it, get get to your position, let's get going. I know there'll be umpires who become unpopular, but that's part of their job, I think, to get get everybody go. You know, and, and if you kind of make a bit of a scene about it, eventually players do react, and I think it, it, it's almost a sort of culture of slowness, which mm. could easily be uh, you know, arrested by just some better policing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, actually. It's the start of the uh, domestic football season today, start of the, 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 you know, the EFL season, and the, the authorities in, in football are, are, are concentrating on time-wasting as well. And it happened at the World Cup, where they, you, know, you suddenly find you know, there'll be 10 minutes of added time at the end of the game, and that is what's going to happen in English domestic football this season as well, to stop time-wasting. It's, you know, it's, it's a different type of thing. It's, it's very tactical time-wasting in football. But it is extremely irritating if you go to a game and players are just delaying the whole time, you know, not restarting, not taking throw-ins quickly and, and goal kicks and things like that, delaying the restart of a free kick. It is extremely irritating um, to, to watch. And the, and the football can still be good and the crickets can still be good as well, can't it? I mean, the Ashes were fan- fantastic. But if you've got a ticket for that day and you see 78 overs, you think, well, I could, yeah, I could do with a bit more here. And, and also within the time as well. I think what tended to happen in the past was that if... if Play did used to go on well past the you know, the schedule closed, didn't it? Before they changed the the rules, people would drift away from the ground. You know, it got to quarter past seven. Oh no, I I got evening plans. I've seen enough cricket for the day. So you actually do want to have that cricket. You don't want it. I don't think you necessarily want it going on to half past seven to get all the overs in. In a way, you do you do want the speed of play to, uh, to be a bit quicker. And it is, it is really noticeable. Just you know, if you go to a county match and you're commentating, you go to a test match and you're commentating, a test match, you sort of have a bit of a breather between overs and the summariser talks for ages and then finally they get on with the next over in a county match. You're really conscious that the players do get round because they've got, A, they've got to get more overs in and you know there are obviously fines for that as well. You, you, it is possible to do it. And of course they did used to do it. Uh, and I, I actually do find it quite boring. Just You just, you're, you're, it's great to be there, of course, and the cricket's great, but you, there are whole passages of play where nothing happens and there is no urgency. And it is actually quite boring just watching men stand in a field 
doing nothing. And actually, the, just noticing the hundred last night, you talked about the hundred and the, you know, how there is that urgency there. The, the women's game was so quick. It, was, it, it almost took me um, sort of off guard, really, when you're commentating. You, you know, the players are ready to bowl almost straight away. I know the, some of the run-ups, are, you know, there's a lot more slow bowlers and stuff compared to perhaps men's uh, short-form cricket. But, you know, it, it does move quickly. And, it, and and therefore, as a result, it is a it does feel a better better spectacle. There's a lot you know. There's a lot more urgency to the game. Well, there's a, a ready-made clock countdown there, ready to go, which is of course the DRS countdown, which is 15 seconds. So the players have become used to you know uh, kind of adhering their game to that sort of time frame. So just double it to 30 seconds. So we've got a double DRS countdown at the end of every over and the next over's got to begin. Well, you had the solution, of course, to that many years ago in the 40 over competition where I was telling someone the other day we had to bowl of a short run. Yeah. They had a 15-yard marker and a painted line, a white painted line, and you weren't allowed to run past that on a Sunday for the 40-over competition. So you had to cut your run to 15 yards. It was a nightmare, actually. I mean, my run-up was about 18 yards, and so I had to cut it to 15 just on Sundays. And I, I had all sorts of no-ball problems. Some bowlers figured out ways of doing it. Wayne Daniel, my former Middlesex West Indian colleague, used to run on the spot for about 20 steps and then finally get going. And sometimes we thought he'd still got the handbrake on and he wasn't actually going to start. But eventually he did get going and he bowled just as quick, actually, off that run-up. And there were some who did a sort of loop, who, like Mornay Morkel, started almost with their back to the batsman and ran sort of round the white line and then back uh, forwards and, and into the into the to the batter. So that, that worked quite well. But I wouldn't advocate shortened run-ups uh, nowadays, because it, it just completely screws you up. Mm. I mean, one thing that, that strikes me: England did lose a whole barrel load of points as a result of their slow over rate in the Ashes. It would be a shame for them, you know, this exciting team, if they were not to qualify for the World Test Championship final because of of slow over rates. Whether that would concentrate minds, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem to, does it? We, we know there are stipulations in the laws about over rates. And it doesn't seem to make much difference. People just, teams just say, oh, this is, you know, it's the Ashes, mate. We'll play at our own pace. Anyway, the 100 is going to continue to, to provoke a reaction on both sides. But maybe you'll enjoy this little bit of music as we go to the break. This is Manoj Badali's daughter, Asha, who, as I say, was the, the music act at Laws on Tuesday night. She's called Asha Gold, by the way. And this is her new single, Deja Vu. Don't try making excuse Wasting all my time, boy After cutting me loose I can reach all my boy I prioritize you And then all of a sudden we're through It's like deja vu Do me same you Deja vu Deja vu Do me same you Deja vu It's like deja vu I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, before the break, Yoz, we touched on the slow over rates uh, during the Ashes. The other thing, one of the sort of hangovers from the Ashes, the ball gate is still seems to be going on, doesn't it? It seems, it seems to be rumbling on with Australia and not happy that the, the ball was changed on that fourth evening, in England making no inroads whatsoever. And then suddenly, fifth day, the ball seemed to be zipping around. Uh, there's a story from an Australian journalist, uh, Ben Horn, that's knocking around this morning. Which, which suggests that, and, and he's spoken to Dilip Jadogia, who's the head of Dukes, who who make the balls uh, for England test matches or test matches in England, saying that one of the balls might have been a rogue ball from a 2018 batch, balls that did a lot, actually. They were supposed to be used for the 2019 Ashes, and they, they did quite a lot, those 2018 balls. And uh, Dilip's quote was, well, it's... It's unlikely that it was a ball from 2018, but not impossible. He is going to investigate whether it was a ball from 2018. So it's sort of like, you know, another probe into Australia was robbed story. Uh, I thought I thought it was England that's supposed to be the Wingers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I mean, it is a bit of a storm in a teacup. And uh, this happens, doesn't it, from time to time? I do remember, actually, that batch of 2018 balls, which... England jealously looked after uh, because they knew how uh, useful they were, how potent they were. And they, they just had a slightly prouder seam. And it seemed that the leather just polished up a bit better as well. And they went round corners. And if you look at the stats, that the amount of movement in Test cricket in England in 2018 was prodigious. And certainly this year, and I've seen all the, the stats from this year, and did, I actually did a piece about it in the Sunday Times a couple of weeks ago, talking about the, the low amount of movement this year compared to the last 10 years, both off the seam and through the air. And it definitely inhibited well both teams' bowlers, but particularly England's, who sort of rely on that. Someone like Jimmy Anderson, uh, five wickets at 85 in the series. I think that was partly due to the balls. So, you know, I can sort of see why... Uh, there is a sort of issue there and actually that does happen you know these balls do come from different places and there's a store of there was a store of balls from 2018 which was kept in some sort of cupboard and lot some cupboard somewhere and maybe you know one of these balls has has sneaked out it's a fascinating story in the end you just got to bat better haven't you well, a couple of things here. I think one of the, one of the sort of Australia's main complaints was the fact that the ball wasn't quite as old as the one that was yeah. that it replaced. That that was the thing, and it was you know it was a much newer ball. I just I've heard some suggestion it you know looked about eight or ten overs old, and the one they changed was you know well into its thirties. So there was that, there's that. Uh, the other thing as well, it didn't stop this change ball. Didn't stop Head and Smith putting on ninety five uh, together. So you know, what was happening during that partnership? Uh, and also Mo and Ali took three wickets so the, that wasn't anything really to do with the ball was it it was to do with you know, his skill and mistakes and and spin bowling it does it does make me put, put me in mind of uh, a sort of the way private eye sometimes uh, write their satire it's it, I can just imagine them writing this story up um, 
Australia were last night left fuming after they were forced to face a ball in a cricket match. They say they were they were robbed because rather than just being gifted the match, they actually had to score the runs uh, that England had set them uh, to win the game. Uh, you, you can it's just it's sort of like that, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's a ball, it's a bat. You've got to score. Conditions change. I mean, that was the other thing. It, it rained a lot, didn't it, on that Sunday into into Monday. The feel the feel of the day was different on on Monday. It was, it was humid. It was really overcast. And yeah, they, England did get the ball to, to nip. Perhaps they did get a bit lucky. Uh, th- these things happen. It, I, I couldn't help feeling just reading sort of the, the fallout from the Ashes that Australia, um, England had all the luck, and Australia had none of it. Well, yeah, I don't know. Does it even out over a five-test match series? Possibly not. But it comes back to you know you can just point to the fact that at Old Trafford it did rain for practically two days and Australia got away with uh, you know lo- lo- drawing a match that they almost certainly would have lost so uh, i don't know we, it, it, it's great ashes debate isn't it that's that's the thing and it it'll be it'll rumble on into the next ashes series as well when all this will be <laughs> it'll all be dredged up again so it was announced yesterday that Alex Hales is not available for England anymore. He's announced his retirement from international cricket. I suppose it's just part of the same story that, that players, certainly in their later years, are inclined to put more emphasis on franchise cricket and being available for that. And and actually just being realistic as well. I guess he, he knew he wasn't going to get picked for the 50-over World Cup squad, uh, which of course starts in two months, not long, not long to go now, till the Cricket World Cup, October the 5th, the first match, England versus yeah, New Zealand. Yeah, two months today, Yoz. Yeah. Yeah, two months today. So so not long to go. England, of course, have some one-day matches in September to, to get ready for that uh, against Ireland and New Zealand. And I guess Hales didn't think he was going to get into that squad. There is a T20 World Cup not long after, isn't there, in, uh, in the middle of summer next year in the West Indies and and America, so he could have got selected for that. But I, I suppose the commitment to to be to, to being available for England and obviously being on tour and being away for quite a long tournament is just something that certain players of a, of a particular age who've established themselves and done all that they feel they they can do for England. He's got a World Cup winners' medal now, a T Twenty World Cup winners' medal. I, I suppose he just feels he's done his bit and he'd rather ride off into the franchise sunset. Mm. Yeah, money to be made in those, them their hills, isn't there? In in T Twenty franchise cricket. Also, the other thing as well, he, Johnny Bester wasn't fit, was he, for the last T uh, Twenty World Cup, and he would probably come back into the side. So, does Alex Hales want to be uh, you know, a squad player as opposed to a, a first choice player? I mean, he played very well, so you could argue that he deserves his place. But it's uncertain, isn't it? And there might be other opportunities. And you're right. There's that that, that commitment to to play for England, I suppose, in, in in build-up tournaments as well, lead-up T20 tournaments, going into the World Cup. So, yeah, you, you can you can understand that decision. It, it it does. It has felt that there's a bit of a a waste of, yeah. You know, there were some wasted years there, weren't there, from Alex Hales because of his his indiscretion before the last World Cup. Well, that's just about it for this week. Uh, by the way, talking of private eye, I love the piece that appeared a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was captioned by our cricket correspondent, Ed G. Baston, 
and it says, new cricket formats have been worn. They must adapt or die in the face of the excitement and popularity of five-day test cricket. The organisers of the 100 say they are considering major changes to the format as they struggle to attract young people lured away by the sheer thrills that only test match cricket delivers. Some of the proposed changes to the 100 would include expanding the format to one where both teams bat twice and for the matches to take place over five days. So a nice follow-up to the amazing story of the Ashes. And by the way, talking of the Ashes, thank you to our sponsors IG for supporting us throughout the series. And by the way, the IG Net Gains Fund, which is going to be used to build net facilities for all our uses around the country, close to the test match venues, that's now up to 150k. That was from all the people in the IG Net Gains Arena scoring runs, and the runs were translated into money from IG to build those net facilities. I'll keep you posted about where those nets are going up in the next few weeks. If you enjoy this podcast, please like it on iTunes. And also, any thoughts you have about what we've been talking about, send them to my Twitter feed, which of course is now called X, at The Analyst, and we'll try and read out the best ones on our next show. Let's hope the weather improves as well for all the cricket that's being played up and down the country. Good luck wherever you are, whether you're playing or watching, and we'll speak to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.